Well, hello again, everybody. Pastor Steve here. Thanks for continuing to tune in and follow along with us as we navigate unprecedented times, this weird moment that we are in of social distancing. Continue uh, to be really proud of you guys for the ways that you are engaging during this time. Um, this is the sixth week now that we have been sort of in this world, right? Uh, distanced, uh, doing digital gatherings on Sunday mornings, um, trying to figure out what life looks like. You have every right to be over it, to feel tired, to feel like you just want to get on with it. I am there with you. We all are there together. But again, in the midst of this, this unprecedented moment, I continue to be so impressed with our community's willingness to press in and stay in this thing together. So I wanted to begin this moment, this time that we have together here, by naming some of the things that I am seeing and some of the things that make me really proud to be a part of this community called Discovery. So I'm proud of uh, Grace and Claire, uh, kids ministry directors and coordinators who are doing just an incredible job getting content uh, to families and kids. I'm proud of our support staff, Amanda and Carrie and David, who are doing so many things behind the scenes, keeping us organized, keeping us up to date on the same page. Proud of our social media team. I've been throwing a lot of random challenges their way over the past weeks, and they've responded to all of them with grace and excitement. Proud of our, our group leaders who have been so creative, so flexible, willing to try out all kinds of new things and, and really willing to do whatever it takes to keep us together, to keep us on mission, to keep creating space for us to process what the good news of Jesus looks like in our lives. I'm proud of our call team who is spending hours each week calling people, leaving messages, having conversations. That has been a tremendous blessing to our community. Proud of our elders for the ways that they are caring for people through this, for the decisions that they are, are wrestling with together, and especially for leading us towards generosity. And by the way, we have another all-community generosity conversation coming up on Friday. Please Join us and be a part of that. We want to hear from you. I'm proud of our uh, musicians who have been so flexible with this disruption and who are having to serve in, in you know weird ways, playing music to cameras and, and stuff like that. They've just been great with that. Proud of our whole community for being generous. We had our best giving month of 2020 in March. April is off to a very good start, guys. Keep it up. Well done. And then again, as I said as we got started, proud of all of you for tuning in, for staying engaged, for for doing whatever it takes to stay connected, but most of all, for choosing to pursue God during this time. Psalm 54 says, it is God who sustains us. And in a moment like this, we experientially get to see how that works. And so this is really not about engagement or whether you saw our most recent Instagram story or if you're going to the digital gatherings, whatever it might be, choosing to pursue God first, seeking his kingdom first during this moment is so important 
And I'm seeing many of you do that very thing. And I just want to begin today by saying, well done. Keep at it. It's going to feel difficult and hard as we move forward, but keep on going. All right, let me pray and then we'll get into the teaching. Heavenly Father, this is a crazy time, an unprecedented moment, not just lifetimes, but even in human history. And along with that comes anxiety and concerns and fears and questions and doubts and fatigue and a million other things. And so, God, we just name those things. We give them to you. We ask for the next few moments for you to just hold them for us so that we can be free to just sort of be here for a few moments, to hear from your word, to hear your voice speak to us, challenge us, convict us. And God, hold it for us so that we have the freedom to to respond. And uh, even if it is a hard thing to do, even if it's a challenging thing to do, God, help us to respond in whatever ways we need to respond today. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, today we begin our next practice, the practice of prayer. And as always, it just feels extremely timely given our moment. This is the fourth practice that we've looked at this year. We began um, all the way back in January by looking at Sabbath, and then we turned our attention to fasting, particularly around the Lenten season, then silence and solitude, which happened to be uh, the practice we considered right at the beginning of social distancing. And now again, turning our attention to prayer, which is always a great practice to consider, but again, in this moment feels so pertinent and relevant and visceral given the time that we are in. Now, real quickly, want to frame the conversation, remind us of what we're doing here in this practice conversation. If you have a Bible, you can look at Matthew chapter 7. This little passage of scripture has been a very foundational uh, passage for us in this conversation. We've come back to it many, many times, but it perfectly captures what we're after here. So these are the words of Jesus. And they come at the end of his first real big teaching in the Gospel of Matthew. The way that Matthew tells the Jesus story is around these big teachings. This is the first one. It's a famous one, the Sermon on the Mount. It has things like the Beatitudes and love your enemies and the Lord's Prayer, all kinds of great stuff. Jesus laying out his vision for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of right relationships. This is how he ends it. Having said all these things, here's how he wraps. Matthew 7, verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person who built their house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew. Anybody feel like that's a good metaphor for life right now? The winds beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish person who built their house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, our mission at Discovery is to help people discover the good news of Jesus. And we've spent quite a bit of time talking about this idea, unpacking this statement. 
And one of the things that we've said over and over again is that the good news of Jesus is not a philosophy or an idea or even a set of beliefs. It is a way of life. It is a way of life that is rich and full. It is not easy, but rich and full, a way of life that endures. Jesus captures this idea this truth in the little Greek phrase, zoe aeneas. This can be translated life of the ages, eternal life, or abundant life. The good news of Jesus is a way of life. And so our desire is to be a community, not of passive consumers, but of engaged disciples, people who actually put Jesus's words into practice. These practices are a way, a means through which we experience this full life, what we've been calling the with God life. I played baseball as a kid. I loved baseball, still love baseball, miss it very much right now as we are in April. And uh, I was a pitcher and that was sort of the position that I I took a hold of and, and was pretty good at for a little while. And so in middle school, I actually started working with a pitching coach. His name was Todd. And a lot of what Todd had me do at first were these weird drills where I would like be standing on one leg, uh, balancing, where over and over again, I would just practice landing on my front foot and he'd draw this line in the dirt and have to land perfectly on that line. We would be doing stuff where I wouldn't really even be moving. I'd just be holding my arm in certain positions till I got my arm to where Todd wanted it to go. And at first I was like, what is this? Why am I doing these standing on this mound, balancing on one foot? I just wanted to pitch. But what I came to learn is that Todd was building skills for me that were intended to help me pitch down the road with greater skill, fluidity, freedom, and confidence. He was building that foundation, that solid rock for me to stand on. This is also why a musician will spend hours practicing scales. It's not so that they are really good at playing scales. No, they learn these things. They build these foundational skills so that they have great freedom in playing their instrument. And in the same way, the practices themselves are not the thing that we are after. The point is not to become really good at spiritual disciplines. What we are after is zoe aeneas, full life, abundant life, a deep sense of God with us. And the practices help us get there. They're not the ends. They're a means to this to this end, right? They help us get there so that we can play with skill and fluidity and freedom and confidence. They ground us in God's presence so that we don't just have some information to share, but our lives become good news in the places God has us. Are you with me? Now, another quick story. Leaving home for college was this transformational moment in my life, as it is for many people. I had grown up in the church, and so going out on my own, I was actually kind of hoping to run away from that a little bit, but uh, this process of of sort of figuring out life for myself ended up catalyzing my spiritual exploration, and eventually it led me to owning what I actually believe. But a big part of that experience for me was a community of people on campus who would not stop bugging me throughout my freshman year. 
at first I didn't want anything to do with them. I thought they were huge nerds. I was like, oh man, church group, that's that's just not where I'm at right now. But as that year wore on, I was struggling in the program that I was in, felt like it was very cutthroat. I was uh, asking really big questions, meaning and being, who am I? Why am I here? Not finding satisfactory answers to those. And so the faithfulness of this group to pursue me, even through all of my rejection, really stood out. Now, long story short, that community introduced me to what it means to follow Jesus in a way that for me at that time was fresh and exciting. It felt like an adventure. But there was one part of kind of the way that they uh, practiced the ways of Jesus, to use our language, that I just struggled with. And it was this thing called the quiet time. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you have some experience with this. But again, that community at that time, all about having a quiet time. Now, if you're not familiar with this, the way it was supposed to work is that you would set aside a chunk of time in your day, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Obviously, the more time you set aside, the more spiritual you were. And during that time, you were supposed to read the Bible, write in a journal, and pray. Now, I was pretty good at the reading thing, if I may say so myself. Um, Always been a big reader, and, and the Bible was really coming alive for me. So that part was kind of fun and easy to do, but I was not great at the journaling thing. And I really stunk at prayer. Now I'd start off fine. You know, I'd, again, I'd read a little bit. Maybe if I remembered, I'd write something in my journal, but then there'd be this prayer time that would sort of go like this, right? Hey God, Steve here. Thanks for, uh, being God and for all the great things that you do. Um, thanks for this quiet time. I uh, got to pray for my grandma who's not feeling well. Pray for my friend Mike who's got a big test today. Got to pray that my grandma would feel better and that Mike would do well on his test. And um, I wonder who the Giants are going to start at second base today. <laughs> my mind would just wander off to all these different places and and then I'd you know feel bad about that and then of course there'd be you know the thing where you skip a day and you feel super guilty and then there was the dreaded question this would always happen someone would come up to me and, and say something like this how your quiet time's going bro and I'd be like oh I don't know I've missed three days and just again feel guilty comparison all these different things now part of the struggle there is that I was 19 not very disciplined yet in my life. But in my experience, a lot of us struggle with this. And again, we feel guilt, we compare ourselves to other people, and then we end up just not doing anything. Now, the point here is not to bash on quiet times. If that's something that you do and you find it to be very life-giving, then, then by all means, do it. For me, though, I was soon to discover there's way more going on here. Now, if you still have your Bible in front of you, turn all the way to the beginning, to the book of Genesis. I'm going to introduce you to one of my favorite characters, this guy named Jacob. Now, Jacob is not a great character in that you would want to model your life after him, but he has some of the most incredible encounters with God. One of them is this wrestling match. This is where his name is changed from Jacob to Israel, and Israel, of course, becomes the name that God's people take on throughout the rest of the Old Testament. This is in Genesis chapter 32. Before all of that, though, we learn that Jacob makes just a huge mess of his life. He causes a ton 
of family drama. And this leads to him having to flee from home. And he actually decides to go live with his uncle for a while. On the way there, he gets tired, he falls asleep, and God appears to him in a dream. This is the infamous Stairway to Heaven dream. You can cue your Led Zeppelin soundtrack at this point. (laughs) But he has this dream and he sees this connection between heaven and earth. And then he says this incredible thing when he wakes up. Jacob awoke from his sleep and he says, Surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware. Surely God is in this place and I did not know it. This I believe, is a paradigmatic example of the process that we are all in, this waking up to God's presence, to the truth that God is in this place. We may not have known it. We may not have been aware of it, but oh my goodness, God is right here with me. If we are faithful to following Jesus and putting his words into practice, we will have several experiences like this, where we wake up to a new reality, a deeper awareness of God's presence in this place with us right here and right now. One of these awakening moments for me is around this practice of prayer. Several years ago, I was studying the life of St. Francis, and I love this quote of his. He said that one of his goals was not to be one who said prayers, but to be a living prayer. How great is that? A living prayer. This raised a bunch of questions for me. Am I going through the motions or am I becoming more awake to God's presence in this place? Do I have a quiet time or is all of my time an opportunity to be with God? Am I a person who says some prayers Or is my life a living prayer? This is where we want to go, to be living prayers, not just people who say prayers. Now, saying prayers, of course, part of it and good, but we want to be living prayers where our whole life becomes a prayer, a conversation with God. Now, prayer, a fascinating practice because it is both simple and deeply complex. Classic definition of prayer is communion with God, and I think that's very rich and true. It can sound a little churchy, so we're going to change one word. Prayer is conversation with God, hanging out with God, spending time with God. And what this conversation can look like is endless. It's as complex and as interesting as you are because we're talking about relationship, and every relationship is a little bit different. Back to our musical analogy, we may use similar scales, tools, practices, but how we use them to play our song will be as different as each one of us is different. So I'm going to talk for just a few moments about this practice in very simple, very broad strokes. In our groups, we're going to go through four particular practices and explore them a little bit more in depth. And then we also have even more stuff to explore through our practice the practice uh, resource, which you can find on the Discovery Christian Church app. So painting in broad strokes, I want to introduce you to what's called the Jesus pattern of prayer or the Jesus pattern of discipleship, interchangeable uh, terms there, at least as far as this goes. 
And it's used by people all over the world because it's so beautifully simple. The pattern goes like this. Up, in, out. Up, in, and out. Up, we engage in the practice of prayer to connect with God, right? There's this relational intimacy with God that is created through prayer. James 4, 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Prayer, one direction is intimacy with God. But we also engage in the practice of prayer to build relationships on what I would call the horizontal level. This is the end direction. We, we pray to build the church. We pray for one another, James 5, 16. We pray for the people in our groups. We pray for our church, Discovery. As a whole, we pray for the global church, the church in Davis, the church in the United States, the church around the world. The uh, New Testament letters, the fancy word here is epistles, full of great prayers for the church. Colossians 1, 9 through 12, Colossians 4, 2, Ephesians 1, 15 and 16, Ephesians 6, 18. We pray to build the church in, but we also pray out. All right, God's mission, God's work in the world is fueled by prayer. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, when he's teaching us to pray, says, you know, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew chapter 9, verse 38, Jesus says, pray for the harvest, for the work that God wants to do in the world. So we pray up, we pray in, we pray out, up, in, out. A conversation with God that is intimate, communal, and missional. Are you with me? Now, one last thing. I want to tie this all together with another pattern, the pattern of renewal that we've been considering all throughout the year. Remember, renewal always begins in a time, a moment of decline, despair, hopelessness, helplessness. And in that place, a remnant emerges. This small group of people who says, hey, it doesn't have to go down like this. They experience holy discontent. Again, this feeling of there's more here. God can still do something. God can still move. And so this remnant prays, and in their prayer, they contend for God to move. And this is the word that I want burned into our brains right now for this moment that we are in. Okay, this pattern of renewal seen all over scripture, all over church history. When people start contending in prayer, stuff happens. Acts 4.31, the first church is together and they pray and it says that the ground shook. They contend. They strive, assert, struggle. They aim purpose. Now we are in the middle of this unprecedented moment in human history. And there are all sorts of ideas about what this moment means for humanity, for the economy, for individuals, for the church. And one of the fascinating things about this pandemic to me is that there isn't an obvious call to action in the sense of like, let's go rebuild houses or let's send a team to fix this problem. But there is, and I believe this to my core, there is here a massive invitation to contend, to seek, to struggle, to aim for God to move. And this is not just because there's a pandemic going on. I've had this sense, this weight on my heart going all the way back to the beginning of this year, really back to the fall. But our our first Sunday together in 2020, you know, four months ago, which of course feels like 10 years ago. (laughs) But that first Sunday we talked about 
this idea of only by prayer. Mark chapter 9, Jesus says, some things can only happen through prayer. And we're really learning what that means in real time, right? We are in an only by prayer moment. Church, if we do nothing but contend in prayer for the next two months, I believe we will have some incredible stories to tell. So I want to, in this moment, I want to invite you. I want to plead with you. I want to ask you to contend with me in prayer. Now, you may may be led to contend for many different things, but I want to lay out three ways we can contend using that up-in-out pattern, and then we'll be done. So out. May we contend for global and healing, for this pandemic to end, for God to bring healing to our world. And in the midst of this chaos, may we contend for God to God to wake up many people to his presence in this place. And may we contend for the global church, but specifically for discovery, that we come through this stronger and more ready than ever to help people discover the good news of Jesus. And then finally, up, may we contend for deep experiences of God's presence so that our mission is fueled by a confidence that, oh, yes, we are with God. God is in this place. My friends, Discovery Christian Church, will you contend with me? Grace and peace, everyone.